Good morning. Welcome back from a nice uh, week of sunshine for some of you. Well, sunshine for many of you, even if you are in Goshen. Hope you had a relaxing week and are ready for the second half of the semester. My name is Michelle Horning. I'm a professor of accounting and also the chair of the business department. I'm also a member, a board member of MEDA. And uh, MEDA is an international organization working in economic development. MEDA's competitive edge is to solve issues of poverty using business solutions. MEDA focuses on those who lie on the periphery of the world's financial system, targeting entrepreneurs who are economically active in developing countries. MEDA focuses on both urban and rural poverty, especially farmers and agriculture suppliers and distributors. One of MEDA's current projects is in Ukraine. It's a horticulture development project, and our speaker this morning is the field project manager, Stephen Wright. Stephen has a master's in international studies from Azusa Pacific University. He's worked for the International Finance Corporation and the World Bank in Central Asia, and also credit unions in Ukraine. And uh, we're gonna be seeing a short video about the project in Ukraine, and then Steve will come up to speak following that. Thank you. Okay, we're gonna improvise a little this morning since the video's not working. Is that correct? If it starts working, you wave at me and then we'll go back to the video. Okay. So let me start off again. My name is Steve Wright. Uh, nice to be with you all. Uh, I work for uh, MEDA and uh, I'm the project manager in Ukraine. I've been living in Ukraine for quite a while, uh, 17 years already. But some of that work also involved in uh, other parts of the world with um, international finance institutions, financial institutions like the World Bank. Hopefully you've heard of a small bank like that. Uh, and then in the International Finance Corporation, it's all part of the same group. So that's my background, a little bit in finance, uh, quite a bit in agriculture, uh, a lot in culture. Uh, and so that's what, uh, what I've been doing. So let me, uh, before I get started, a couple things I, I'd like to accomplish this morning, just to let you know where we're going. So a little more introduction for you of what uh, MEDA is all about and uh, why MEDA does this type of work. Uh, a little bit of my own career, how I got to where I am, and hopefully by the end something for you to take away uh, for you to be considering for your own career development, uh, possibly opportunities uh, in international development work. I uh, am just slightly older than, than you all are. I like, I like to joke, I'm, I'm actually 29, I just haven't been aging very well, so. Uh, international work will do that to you. Uh, not take that back. Uh, I started in, a, uh, went to a, a college in uh, Southern California, Azusa Pacific University. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Uh, pretty much the same size of uh, Goshen College here. Uh, I started out as a philosophy major. I think I was the only one. <laughs> Are we about ready to try it this time, or did it pop up? We're going to give it a shot again? Okay, hold that thought. Let's try the video again, because this will give you a good introduction uh, much better than what I can, what I can do. If it's go if it's ready, just go ahead. Okay, I'm not going to take a whole bunch more of your time. Another 10 or 15 minutes, so just kind of bear with me. Uh, I quickly, just to uh, wrap up where I was talking about my own 
uh, career journey. Uh, it's taken many twists and turns, uh, but I knew I wanted to be in the international uh, development work, uh, international business or development. Uh, and so I you know, started in an unlikely path of uh, philosophy, uh, but then it grew from there as other opportunities arose. And I do have a master's degree uh, in international uh, studies. Uh, so it, it builds, it builds. Uh, and then working uh, with that foundation, I was able to then become uh, a recognized consultant who has opened up other opportunities. And that's why I'm here with, uh, with Mita at the moment. Uh, I've only been with Mita uh, for the last two and a half years, working specifically on this project. Now, some of you saw a Canadian flag up there and wondered what's that all about. Uh, this is very unique uh, positioning that Mita has that I just want to explain quickly. Mita is a member-driven organization. There's quite a few members uh, here, even in the Goshen area. Uh, they have a, a, a group they call a chapter, a Mita chapter, if you're familiar with that. And there's many of these uh, chapters throughout North America, including Canada and, and the U.S. So um, the Mennonite community spreads easily across, across the borders. But Mita also works with the international development donors, which are usually government organizations, like the Canadian uh, International Development um, Organization Association, uh, CEDA. Uh, and also with a USAID, which you may be familiar with that, the United States Agency for International Development. Uh, MEDA works very well with both of them. MEDA is a Canadian and a US organization at the same time. So how does that work? These international development agencies, government agencies, want to do this type of development work like we're doing here in Ukraine. And they're large projects. This is a $10 million project. Uh, there's no way that the, the MEDA membership could support uh, numerous types of those projects. That's just financially impossible. But MEDA is very unique that we're able to come to these international donors, the agencies, the government agencies, and do a contribution. And that means quite a bit to these international agencies. It's not just simply uh, MEDA uh, doing the work that these organizations want and earning uh, money off of that. It's MEDA coming to the, uh, the CETA, the USAID, and say, okay, here's a contribution. Here's what's gonna come from our members. We put it together with what you're going to do uh, and then perform uh, you know, the intended project. And this is, uh, what's very exciting about what MEDA can do is in this project specifically, there's $400,000 that has been committed by MEDA members, members throughout this community here in Goshen, that goes into this project. Well, here is a $10 million project that's being leveraged by the $400,000. So you can do the math, that means quite a bit. The 400,000 coming from individuals turns into a $10 million project that MEDA gets to implement uh, around the world. Now what's unique about this project, and I'll be honest, it's, it's, it's by coincidence really that the Mennonite uh, history has been there in Ukraine. And so we were able to work together with the Canadian International Development Agency to then uh, uh, kind of also leverage that history there. And so we have quite a few um, Mennonites who have historical roots to Ukraine, coming back, seeing family members and so forth, and we get to link that with the work that we're doing. Every year I have guests coming all the time. And I've even run into first-generation folks living here in the U.S., in Canada, who came directly from there, uh, mainly going back to the turmoil around uh, the World War II. And so it's pretty exciting for them. The community there that you saw the pictures at is about 30 minutes away from where I live. So it's very close. And we do even have farmers in that area. That person you saw, um, Yuri, Yuri Rodin, he's right there in that community called Molochansk, where the Mennonite community was. And it was a quite large community at its, 
heyday back in the late 1800s, there was over 150,000 Mennonites that were there, German Mennonites who had come over 100 years earlier, who were invited by Catherine the Great, had all these great uh, uh, programs given to them. They didn't have to serve in the military, didn't have to pay taxes, and so forth. And the community grew to be quite large. But of course, everything changed. And then it led to the, uh, it culminated in the revolution and in the World War II. And to this day, there's only maybe a couple hundred uh, people left behind who say that they could have direct uh, Mennonite roots. So the project's quite large. All right, how do we handle that? I have 3,000 members at the moment here who have cars that are registered clients of the project. Well, that'd be pretty ridiculous to say, even in my staff of 20 people, that I am providing effective services to 3,000 people. You can't do that. That's impossible. I could meet with everybody uh, once a month and maybe get through the whole group, the whole group uh, in about a few years. So we do that with the structure, and the structure is called the lead farmers. Right? Somebody who's fairly successful, kind of knows what they're doing, and then they already know the people in their community who want to uh, get involved with what they're doing. So we work really closely with these lead farmers. I have about 70 at the moment, 7-0. And that's where a lot of our intention goes, developing the capacity of these guys who then can pass down what they're learning, uh, their knowledge from the project, their connection with the suppliers for, for quality seeds, their, their connection with suppliers for things like greenhouses and drip irrigation. All that is their, the main link onto their cell group, their network. And cell groups vary in our organization. We have cell groups of five to 10 people, and we have cell groups that are up to 100 people. Uh, so we're very flexible. We don't, we're not really hard and fast. And now we're doing quite a bit of work in consolidation. So you hear this all the time. I know how to grow something. I don't know how to sell it. So how do we help these farmers get their produce? Uh, and the majority of what we're concentrating on is uh, cucumbers and tomatoes and table grapes. Well, how do you get a lot of material into the pipeline, into the marketplace effectively? And that's where the real challenge is. We have roadside selling going all over the place, but it's incredibly ineffective. Ukraine has a very, very large percentage of waste, the highest percentage of waste of any European country. So how do we help to address that? And if you have effective systems where you can do cold storage, when you have effective places where you're meeting with the buyers and the traders, setting deals up ahead of time, helping in the whole transaction, transparency, uh, dealing with all the issues of packaging, uh, sorting, and so forth, it just streamlines everything and a lot less is, is left behind, left out in the field or just left to waste. Those are major concentrations. And some of the numbers we're dealing with, it's kind of hard to, to, to grasp. Last year, we had our first attempt at um, really getting into the uh, consolidation model. And we did over 700 tons of uh, tomatoes and cucumbers and radishes. Uh, I'm sorry, and we deal in the metric. So 700 tons, that would be 2.2 kilograms, 2.2 pounds per kilograms. You figure it out, okay? I only deal in metric over there, so. Uh, it's a lot of material, but actually that's kind of small. This year, uh, our, our plan that we already have drawn up with our partners and our traders and buyers, we expect to do about 5,000 tons of material throughout uh, the project. The material is beginning to grow. That's a lot of stuff to push through the door. Uh, and, I, and we're going to do that in clustering. You've heard that new terminology probably in the last four or five years. Everyone loves to talk about clustering. And so we got the same type of thing going. It's very similar to the uh, networks that we've been talking about, but more on a geographic uh, scale. So we pick out these geographic areas, and we work with really intensely in those areas with the farmers for developing these strong clusters and pushing a lot of our material uh, through those um, models.
and this year we do expect it to, to grow significantly, and it means a lot of money. Where we do a real good job of keeping statistics, tracking what we're doing, that's in incredibly important for not only the donors, but it's also important for a business model. I spend a lot of time over and over again uh, talking about how this is a legitimate business model to work with these small farmer producers. It's something that businesses want to get involved in and get through. 80% of all our fruits and vegetables, which is horticulture, fruits and vegetables in Ukraine are produced by these small people you saw. So the market is still kind of forming, and it's going to be a long time. I always have great arguments with people that say we should be working only with larger farmers on a production issue on a level because it's more cost effective and so forth. But that's going to take us a while to get there. And you can't leave this behind because then you have the other effects I've been talking about. You're going to have a lot of waste and so forth, and then what do you do with 80% of the sector? So that's why we're concentrating on these smaller, smaller producers, and it's making sense, and a lot of people are taking notice. Because what's my goal at the end of the project? My goal at the end of the project is a business model is left behind and somebody in the private sector has taken over what I'm doing. And then we can go on to something else. Uh, or even we can even help uh, establish uh, somebody in the private sector uh, to con continue this type of work. Me let me, real quickly, Meta is also a, a large organization. We have, um, I'm sorry, we're spread out around the world. I didn't mean to say, make it sound like we're uh, a very large uh, implementer. But we do have uh, lots of work in, in other parts of the world, including Afghanistan, Pakistan, Africa, Tanzania, Ethiopia. And some of them are very similar to what I'm doing uh, along the market linkages uh, development models. And you can find out more of that, please, on the website. Before I forget, there's some literature here on the piano. It's the newsletter I do every month that provides to our farmers lots of information about markets. Uh, it's a whole range from uh, technical assistance, uh, how do you deal with the problems with your table grapes, to uh, access to finance issues and so forth. We have an 800 toll-free telephone number for people to call. It doesn't work here, so don't call me, okay? So. Uh, but please come up if you're interested and take one of those before you go. We do it twice a year in English, uh, mainly for folks like yourself. Uh, and the donor community, so this is an English version. I do have a Russian version if you're real interested, uh, or if you can. If you can speak fluent Russian, come talk to me. You have a good career to look about, to consider. Real quick about, uh, you know, how do we help farmers get, in, get uh, access to the technologies that we're promoting? So asset acquisition's tough for our farmers. They don't have the money they can pull out of their pocket to go buy a greenhouse, to go out and buy materials that's needed to develop a, a table grape um, uh, area. And so uh, there was nobody in the financial sector that wanted to do this. And we started this project right when the whole financial meltdown began back in the uh, fall of the 2008. So, Mita, along with Sita, uh, had come up with a pretty unique uh, answer to create a Ukrainian company called Agro Capital Management. Agro Capital Management, 100% owned by Mita, but it's a Ukrainian company. And quickly, it's a quasi-leasing or rent-to-own, put it that way. Uh, so we don't, give, we don't give money to anybody. You don't get money. But if you want to acquire equipment, like a greenhouse, that's a good example. When I say greenhouse, uh, we call them high tunnel greenhouses in plastic. You may have, I don't know if they have some of those around here. Uh, they're usually about 30 feet wide by about 100 feet long or 150 feet long. So that's, that's what we would uh, are promoting in the project. 
If you want to acquire that, they can be fairly expensive. A greenhouse of that size will cost anywhere from six or seven thousand dollars. Well, that's a lot of money for some of these folks. So you can acquire that through uh, ACM on a rent-to-own, small down payment. You make very minimal, we call them disciplinary payments throughout the, the months until you start making money. And when you start making money, then you can make these balloon payments. Uh, and it's a very uh, attractive to our farmers to, to be able to um, have a flexible payment program. So ACM is growing, it's growing rapidly, currently about 600. 600 farmers are taking advantage, uh, almost all of them coming from our, our project. Um, so we see a lot of potential in that, developing kind of this new financial uh, institution uh, that will help farmers get access to the, the technologies. Okay, this is a kind of a, a, a philosophical question. You know, you heard quite a bit about why the, um, you know, the connection between the Mennonite community and the development work. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not Mennonite, but I do work for, for MEDA. Uh, I find that very, very uh, invigorating to be able to bring those two sides together, to bring the faith side together along with uh, doing the development work. Um, so the question really is, are we, are we Christians doing development work or are we professionals, development workers who happen to be Christians? And in my opinion, it's, it's the latter for this type of work that we're doing. Uh, I have worked quite a lot with larger uh, international financial institutions, um, so it doesn't, doesn't really, really matter where my face coming from in some of those organizations. But it, I, I find it very, very exciting that we, as professionals, can come together and have this common goal as we're going forward with organizations uh, like MEDA. So I'm also, it's, it's encouraging uh, some of you to consider, you know, where do you want to go? Do you want to go into international work? Do you want to go into international development work, international business? Uh, you know, keep your, your uh, opportunities open. Uh, see what's out there for you to explore. I encourage you to look at internships. Internships is a, is a great opportunity for you to kind of put your little toe in the water and see, hey, is this somewhere where I want to go? Is this something that I want to do? Uh, and those opportunities are there. Those opportunities are even there through, through MEDA. So look into those, you know, think where you want to go. This is not something that's uh, very uh, narrow, it's a very broad. Uh, the world is becoming global, that's nothing new. Uh, uh, the opportunities are there for you in many, many different uh, aspects to pursue. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I'll be hanging around here for a few moments, uh, have a few words with you, be, uh, be happy to that. Please come by up and uh, take a newsletter. and. Uh, Thank you all very much for your attention.